Welcome back to the Brick by Brick podcast. I'm Ben and I'm here with John and Ryan today and we're going to talk about being an entrepreneur. Probably a little bit more broad than some of the topics we've gone into in recent weeks, but I think that this is something that can be both really interesting for listeners and also, frankly, a lot of fun because we are all entrepreneurs. And not just talking about, I think, what it takes to be an entrepreneur because there's a lot, obviously, that goes into it, but also sort of identifying maybe what... What is it about you and what kind of personality types tend to thrive in this sort of free-for-all culture that both has a ton of chaos, but also, I guess, controlled chaos? I think that's kind of the life of an entrepreneur. I guess we could start maybe by talking about our own individual experiences as entrepreneurs. Yeah. I mean, I have a lot a lot to say. Um, so much. Good and bad. <laughs> so you <know>. much wisdom. <laughs> so, um, it's strange. I, I don't even know if I'd really consider myself to be an entrepreneur per se. Um, although I think if from a distance, one would look at my like career and life and say that I would fit that category. I think that being an entrepreneur can mean a lot of different things, but the substantiation that it is in my life, I think in our life, our lives means that we are running either our own, we're working for ourselves and or running our own businesses. And that carries with it a lot of prerequisites and a lot of personality types and traits and tolerances that I don't think are necessarily for everyone. So maybe we can jump in via that way. Um, I think that my personality type is maybe not even that well situated to be an entrepreneur, to be totally frank. Um, but it's funny I'm because I was about to say, knowing you, I actually feel totally differently, yeah. but I want to oh, hear why you think great. that first. Oh, I'm glad you guys think that. Oh, wow. I'm really... We're, here, we're just here to build John up. Love, oh, your, no, love yourself. No, but I am curious. Why, why do you think that you are not well, well suited for it? So I think in my experience, one thing that I think you have to totally throw to the wind is your interest in doing something that is prestigious. I think being an entrepreneur has no... There, There's a prestige in the sort of way that you look at a startup guy and you're like, oh man, he's, you know, building the next Facebook or whatever it is. And it's so cool that he's working for himself, blah, blah, blah. But in the flip side is that to do that, whether it be in real estate that we operate in or in technology or whatever, you have to do a lot of really crappy things and get paid no money to do it. And if you're the sort of person that's drawn to prestigious things, I mean, let's be honest, I went to Yale I went to Yale. <laughs> let's be honest. You know, let's be honest. Right? You know, two I, Ivy League degrees. I went, Unbelievable. I have, actually, Ryan, it's three. Oh I have three, three I believe. I have two degrees from Cornell Law School. I'm basking in your greatness I know. Right I just want to bring it up. But, you know, but, but <laughs> Wait, look. you have I two mean, degrees from law school? I have two degrees from law okay, school. All right. Doesn't everyone? No. Uh, <laughs> I, I, um, JDLM? Fact check. Yeah, JD and LLM. LLM. Can you tell me what the difference is between these two? Yes. One is a doctor and one is a master's degree. So you're a doctor. Well, I'm a doctor of law. I like to pretend that a doctor, my mom would be ashamed of me, that I just called a doctorate the equivalent of a doctor. No, I mean, (laughs) I I bring it up only only because I'm so awesome, but also because... No, also because uh, I'm obviously, if you looked at that, you would say, this guy really likes prestigious. I mean, I went to Yale because it's a prestigious school, right? Yeah. Uh, I mean, I went to Cornell because it's a prestigious school. I mean, also it's a good education, but it, it's it's very helpful. And I, my career path before I went off to do entrepreneurship things was very much seeking prestige. And I, I like that. I like people looking at my resume and me personally being like, wow, that guy has a great you know background and great education. If you value that, don't be an entrepreneur because you're not going to receive a lot of that. Doesn't nobody cares about that in the construction world? Nobody's buying a house for me because I went to Yale. I'm no one, I mean, maybe I don't they know. Might, they be, might, be, they might not buy a house for you because you went to Yale. <laughs> well, you know what? It's funny. I, I don't want to get 
sidetracked before we've even got other stories in here, but it reminds me of something I told John recently where I was having a conversation with a, an old academic mentor of mine, and I told them about the fact that I'm working with John and Ryan now, and that sh- she comes from a very structured environment. And, and, and I think it's we're going to note on this a lot, but you talk about the difference in let's say personality types of some people who enjoy prestige and structure. They get up in the morning, they know exactly what they're going to do. They got a paycheck every two weeks and et cetera, et cetera. Life is good and easy. Uh, easy is the wrong word, but, but good and, and, um, and structured consistent. and consistent. Yeah. That's the word. And I was having a conversation with her and, and, uh, we're talking about what we were doing together in the, in the real estate business. And she said, Oh yeah, that's great. That's great. And then at the end she goes, well, what schools did they go to? I said, Oh, uh, university of Maryland and Yale. And then she goes, Oh, good, good. And that, <laughs> it, wow. It, it, it's really it's after really, Maryland, of course. After, <laughs> I was gonna say she oh, said, yeah. she said yeah. good yeah. after Maryland. But, but think but think about that. You talk about the different even I'm not this is not disparaging, by the way. This person is wonderful and, and interesting and successful in her own right. But it just tells you maybe a little bit of uh, the personality differences between people who sometimes seek structure and the quote unquote traditional maybe entrepreneur archetype. And that manifests in different ways. Well it's funny that it's funny that you touched on the topic of prestige because I think we're in a day and age now where particularly with the Silicon Valley tech stuff there's a lot of prestige associated with being a quote-unquote entrepreneur. And I think that's something, that's feedback I get often where people think it's so cool that I do my own thing. But what they don't see is all the ugly stuff that you alluded to earlier. And they don't see the the days or like the stuff that you, you've been dealing with on our way in here where a pipe froze and you guys have to troubleshoot it. You have to figure out how there's going to be heat, how the water's going to get out of there. I see John's <laughs> more I see his spirit just like dying right now as he's thinking this is, about this. This is but, supposed to be the, the brick by brick comedy hour no, no, where, where we escape real life. <laughs> but but there really is a lot of crap that goes along with it. And that is both figurative and literal crap. Like we almost stepped in a bunch earlier in the, <laughs> the last place we were looking at. And we looked at it and we said, that's a metaphor. <laughs> and we love the place. Yeah, so. we also said, <laughs> yeah, we're yeah, putting really, in an we opportunity. Place, yeah. But there, there's prestige associated with the idea of being an entrepreneur, but the actual practice of it, I think, is far less desirable and, as John alluded to, far less suitable for, for most personality types. Yeah. Um, I agree with a lot of things you said there. There's a constant like internal dialogue of, hey, this is, this is beneath me. I don't want to be doing this, while also knowing that if you don't do something, it's not going to get done. And there are business things to consider, too, like, is this the best use of my time? But... This game is certainly not for the faint of heart, especially in the, you know, residential real estate construction space where things can get dirty. Yeah, yeah. There is a, uh, to use an Ivy League word, a fetishization. If you're not careful, John, people are going to come away from this episode with the, the wrong perception of you. Uh, no, it's the very, it's the right perception. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 I mean, before one one delves into this, I think it, it it's probably valuable to know the struggle. And so maybe we can talk about that because for both Ryan and I to get to where we are right now, there's been a lot of, I I was having a conversation with somebody recently about our private equity fund, which if you don't know about it, please, please feel free to review other episodes in which we've discussed that. Episode six. Reach out to us on Facebook. It's a great episode. Listen to us on iTunes. Right. (laughs) But I was having a conversation with them and, and they, they wanted to help us do something with the fund, raise money, something like that. And they were sort of saying like, oh, well, if I, if I help you a lot, you know, can I, can I have uh, a big share of, of the fund? Like, can I, can I get, you know, carry, can I get equity in this? Can I do that? Can I do that? And my response, like I, I very rarely get offended or upset, but my response was like, 
dude, I've spent thousands of hours of my life doing the worst stuff ever. This is the culmination of that effort. And you coming out of nowhere to ask me to give you something that I've built and, and Ryan also, but Ryan is the same story to you for, for me to give that to you for free because you might help me. It's insane. <laughs> it's crazy to me. And it's, an, it, it's actually offensive to me. It's actually offensive that you'd even ask because you don't know what I had to do to get there. Right. That's how I felt. And, and beyond that, people don't understand the costs associated with this. I think that's, this is part of the glamor of, or the perception, or this is part of like the misunderstanding, broadly speaking about real estate. People think, Oh, I mean, and this is a claim that both of us could make. We could say, oh, we we sold $5 million worth of property last year. So people people take that to mean we pocketed $5 million. That's certainly not the case. I mean, between debt and partners and all that, the margins are quite, quite thinner than they would right. appear. And as John alluded to earlier, so many inputs that just get glossed over. And, and there's so much crap that you deal with that oftentimes they're like... There are deals that we've looked at in the past or deals that I think we've discussed between the two of us, you know, where we're projecting maybe a, a $30,000 profit at the end of the day when, when all is said and done. And to an outside observer, it may seem like a no-brainer, but when you think about the fact that there is going to be a lot of time, there's going to be a lot of headache, there are going to be cost overruns, if that 30000 turns into a $10,000 profit, then both on a per hour basis and in terms of opportunity costs, that is just an objectively bad of deal. Course. Absolutely. I, I think underlying it too is the stress. I think even even among us, we don't really talk about it too, but it's very stressful to, to do this stuff. I mean, there there are times, I mean, I, I, I love it. So it's not like an existential stress. It's not like, what am I doing with my life? But it's an operational stress. It's like putting out fires and like emergencies. And you can take a take a step back and say, look, I'm doing what I love and, and everything's going to be okay. But in the moment, you're stressed. I mean, you're, you're grinding. I'm, I'm like grinding my teeth. I'm like staying awake. My mind is racing. You know, it, it, that, I, I experienced that a lot. And for some of these projects where I might make five grand off of it, 10 grand off of it for months of work and stress and sleepless nights. I mean, you could, you could work at any other job and, and make that money without that stress. So I think there's a, there's a great, and I apologize if I misquote this here, but there's a great Steve Jobs quote where he says, when you look very closely, all of these overnight successes actually took a lot of work, right? You only see the finished product. And to John's point, I mean, anyone who has lived their life in any entrepreneurial fashion or has taken that leap knows kind of that reaction you had to talking to that potential uh, private equity investor. But I, I think it's, it's interesting because, because you also, you don't always appreciate uh, the fact that until you scale up, which for 99% of businesses takes a lot of work and a lot of time, you're also uh, going back to this phrase that Ryan always uh, uses, this idea uh, on whether or not you're working on your business, excuse me, working on your business versus working in your business and the amount of opportunity costs it takes when you're an entrepreneur, especially when you're getting started in doing all of these nitty gritty things that just need to get done that people say, oh, like if you're doing real estate, I get best you, ha you have this person do this and this they just they don't even think about it. they don't understand the idea of even as something as, as seems as simple as like you know coordinating permits with as a general contractor or with general contractors or you know just even like scheduling uh, an inspection i mean this it, it takes work it or takes time like buying a piece of real estate how complex it. that it my gosh it's yeah. very complex very complex yeah it's also interesting to contrast this with my previous life working in essentially corporate america and having a 
very, I guess I would say normal, stable, secure job. I admittedly was not a very good employee and I certainly didn't work my tail off there, but I, you know, I did enough and I, I think I did some good work, but the emotional toll of that or the emotional weight that that carried was so vastly minuscule compared to what we face today. And it's not just because of the nature of the work, but it's, it's because of the nature of being essentially on call 24 seven. And the fact that, you know, the beauty of this is that we are ultimately in control of our own destiny, which is great. And this is not to say that I wouldn't want it any other way, but what that carries with it is this constant burden of, could I be doing more? And for me, that manifests in, I think, a similar way to John, where it'll be seven o'clock and you know, I've just eaten dinner and I want to mail it in. And I know that for my own sanity and for my own health, the best thing would be to turn on the TV or talk to my, talk to my girlfriend or talk to a friend and take my mind off of work. But I also know that I have this lingering anxiety about all of the things that I, that I need to do and need to get done. And this is time when I could be accomplishing that. And that also kind of feeds, feeds unto itself because if I, you know, if I do start doing work at that time, I might not stop doing work until 10 or 11 or midnight or one, and then falling asleep becomes that much harder. And then you're sitting there at one in the morning saying, crap, what did I do with my night? I have to be up at seven to start this whole cycle all over again. Yeah. I mean, I think again, when you, when you talk about your guys' individual experience, it also reminds me or makes me want to say also to the listeners out there that there are also a lot of different classes and a lot of different ways to be entrepreneurs. So both of your experiences, while they were very different in getting to, to the end game, had certain parallel lines. I think it's the same. I'm much earlier in my career than, than the two of these guys, but I worked in property management right off the bat and that was more of a structured environment. And, and I found that even within that scope, I enjoyed sort of taking the initiative and going out and trying to be on my own, which is why I transition to becoming a broker. And, and and that's, I think, again, it's important to recognize the fact that there's all these different classes in the real estate world. Uh, if you want to be an entrepreneur, right? You can be a broker, you can be an investor, you can be just a contractor, you can be just a property manager, you can be just a lender, you can be just a consultant. Yes, I did write these down. I don't, I'm not just saying these off the top of my head. Um, wow, he's really smart. Did he go to Yale? Uh, did you but, bring up an inspector? An inspector, well? yeah. Uh, I mean, an appraiser. An appraiser. A couple other things that you an missed. Estimator, and, yeah. An estimator. <laughs> 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 engineering. Engineering. <laughs> Engineering, so, I mean, engineering consultant, environmental there's consultant. Just, there's just a million things that you can do. And so I, I think that taking that leap is very difficult, but there's also important to remember there's a lot of different paths. Um, and, and within a lot of those paths, you know, there are a lot of people who have a proclivity towards entrepreneurship or towards independence, but maybe don't feel comfortable because of where they are in their life or where they are in their career. They don't feel comfortable taking a full on leap of faith and, and becoming a true entrepreneur and, you know, only having that or not having anything else to fall back on. There are other opportunities that you can cultivate that allow you to achieve a similar level of independence, whether it's being a consultant or being a finding yourself in a position with a particular company where you do have a fair amount of autonomy and maybe you're in charge of a group or maybe they allow you to work from home or they compensate you for business that you bring in. It, it doesn't have to be a, a black or white equation. It's not, it's not you're either an entrepreneur or you're not. There are plenty of things that fall in between and that are, I think, important to highlight for the people who may not be cut out for or interested in the extreme. I almost disagree. I don't know. I, 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 I've thought about this a fair amount. And I, I think that there, I think there's something to be said of really going all in as an entrepreneur 
to to see there's nothing like having no backstop as a motivator i i agree with that what what i'm saying is i think there are people who think most people if you ask them would say oh yeah it would be great not to have a boss or i'm bringing in all this business for my company but i get paid the same as joe schmo over there who brings in nothing and you know doesn't work nearly as hard as i do so what i'm saying is like there's a spectrum and there's there are other roles that you can cultivate to satisfy it, like certain urges or a, a certain itch that you may have sure. without being like, I'm, I'm speaking more so to the type of person who, who truly does not want to be an entrepreneur, but who may think they do because of one reason, i.e. Yeah. I want, I don't want to have a boss or I want to have some more incentive to, yeah. you know, perform better at my job. I, I, I don't know. I mean, it, it's, it's an open question for me. Like, are people sort of intrinsically entrepreneurs or do people become entrepreneurs or can people learn to be more of an entrepreneur or something? I, I don't really, I don't know. Um, what? Nature versus nurture. Yeah. <laughs> I think a lot of this is, this, this could go in so many different directions now, but yeah. I think there's a whole conversation to be had about, the systems primarily academic that are in place today and the fact that I think in a lot of ways they they reward the type of behavior that leads you to be a good corporate right. employee as opposed to being a kind of rebellious entrepreneur. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, I think I think another important thing, uh, which all ties into this, uh, which I've always tried to ask myself before I took any leap in direction, uh, whether that be a- as on, an entrepreneur in my professional career or in academics, because I also transferred specifically to study real estate. You know, I kind of was all in at 20 years old. And I think it's it's understanding yourself. I mean, what are your strengths and weaknesses? The favorite, my favorite note I've ever written for the show is underneath understand yourself, strengths and weaknesses is Ryan and Eric exclamation point, which is Ryan and his brother. And I think like you guys are both a perfect example of doing not only what you really enjoy, but playing to your strengths. And then, you know, when I see this partnership and we talked about this, I think a little bit in the networking episode, this idea of identifying people who fill your gaps and understanding within yourself, what, what am I good at and, and what am I bad at and how can I help my, uh, move my business forward? Um, and this also co- comes into this idea of, of looking at it from a tactical standpoint, understanding what your short and long-term goals are. I think it's really important to, to, to ask yourself your question. I do agree that there's a lot of sort of these, a lot of these intrinsic characteristics and being an entrepreneur. But nevertheless, I think oftentimes those same characteristics can lead to things like carelessness, overaggression, you know, in terms of jumping into a business. And so checking yourself and understanding what do I want to achieve today and a month from now and six months from now, a year from now, Ryan actually pings me with this email once in a while, two years from now, where do you want to be? I mean, that's an important question to ask yourself when you're thinking about taking the leap as an entrepreneur. It's a great point. I I think you're prefiguring this idea of self-awareness and and self-identity. And that's something that I I find is, can be very challenging. I, I, have thought of myself as a very self-aware person, but recently I have been reconsidering that and thinking that I could be a lot more self-aware, self-aware about my own skills and capabilities and also my own goals and sort of what I'm achieving and what I'm doing. I mean, I I had a, uh, I've been, you know, having, I have coffee with people a lot in in the real estate space because they want to talk about real estate and and I run a meetup. Uh, In fact, we had one last night that uh, Ben was, uh, was was a big success. And if, uh, if if you're in the Northern New Jersey area, Feel free to check it out on Meetup. It's uh, Hudson County Real Estate Investors. But um, notwithstanding that, I you know talk to people a lot, and and I, I tell them my story and tell them what I'm doing right now with um, with Ryan and, and the fund and construction and all that sort of stuff. And a lot of times, people respond and they say, "Wow, I, I 
I'm so impressed. I really want to be like you. I wish I could be you. I wish I could do this. And I don't say that to, to toot my own horn, but, but almost every time someone says it, my response is like, really? Like, I, <laughs> like I, I'm, I'm surprised because the way that I see my path in, in entrepreneurship or real estate, whatever you want to say is like, I'm not even getting started. I mean, I'm just begun. Right. And so, and I have so much more that I want to do. And so it's like, when people say like, you've done so much, you've accomplished so much. It's like, go, I guess. I mean, I, I mean, it, 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 it's weird to have, when you're in your own mind and you're working and you're hustling and you're doing stuff that I think we are doing all the time, you don't have the perspective of being like, well, maybe I have accomplished some things that people would, would value. Um, I think we, I think we were actually talking about that the other day because there's, there's plenty of stress and anxiety come that comes along with the nature of what we're doing. And one of the things we harped on is, or one of the things that we, touched on the other day was the fact that we probably don't celebrate our wins as much as we should because there's always a fire to put out and there's always a new challenge or a new problem that we're faced with. So I think to that end, I think it's, it's in our nature to just look at the next task at hand and, and to focus on that rather than dwelling on whatever happened in the past, both good and bad. But I think it is also important to sit back and, and maybe appreciate and count our blessings while we have them because there are plenty of people who would like to be in our shoes and yeah, and, and both I, good and bad. And I think even on a personal level, it's okay to say, I'm good at this. This is a this is something that I excel at, that I'm better than other people mm-hmm. at. I think personally, I don't do that almost at all. I don't ever sit back and I, I try to focus a lot on things that I'm not good at, right. but I very rarely sit down and say, I'm actually good at this type of thing. And in fact, when I was doing real estate alone, um, which was, you know, all of my real estate quote unquote career, except for the past eight months or whatever, you know, six, eight months, um, when Ryan and I started working together and then Ben uh, a little bit later, I, something that you guys told me was, was really a revelation to me, which was when we would, so something that we do is we, we own a, or primarily or exclusively Ryan runs a tax lien portfolio in, in East Orange. And, um, you know, it's kind of become a, a group project as well, but you know, we, um, we have to break into houses that, uh, Ryan's has foreclosed on or through his company has foreclosed on. And something that I enjoyed doing is physically breaking into houses. <laughs> and uh, I didn't think anything of it because I had done that also for other contexts. But I think you guys mentioned it to me or something like like you're very resourceful or like you're you're, you're, you're willing you're to do it. You're uniquely good at it. Right. And, and I, I and um, must have been your resourcefulness class at Yale. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and like, this is the guy I'm investing with. <laughs> it's no, going to break into my house. I, 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 you, you said something to me yeah. uh, about it and um, it just never occurred to me. It's some, yeah. something that I that was unique or different about me. Yeah. Just never, and and uh, and so when he said, that, I was like, okay, like that. I, I appreciated that, right? Yeah. I mean, that that was great. We'll be sure to shower you with compliments no, 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 no. in the I, next few yeah. weeks too. <laughs> I don't say this is no, 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 no. Let me bow to you. Out, <laughs> no, no, seeking out compliments. I'm just saying that yeah. it, that it, 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 to sometimes to get self awareness, you have to ask other people. Like, yeah, for sure. Uh, I think. With, in the, oh, sorry, Ryan. Please. I was gonna say we actually have like a. So similar to how I've been pinging Ben about his goals, I had actually pinged John somewhat recently about 
feedback and just to kind of like and didn't respond at all. I remember right. <laughs> right. So so both of these guys I have sent separate emails to about things like this, you know, guys, and I, I've gotten zero feedback. I, th- I think about that email almost every day. Yeah. I seriously do. I, I was like, I should respond to that email. I should bring it up. I should bring it up. That we bring it up on this podcast, even though we haven't responded I was yet. Like, I do think about it all the time. This morning yeah. I woke up. I was like, I should I should talk to Ryan about that because I think it's a good idea. But I just so so for context, the the email was essentially a in instructions or a request that like John and I sit down and just kind of be honest with each other about kind of evaluating the other person. So the idea was for John to get a better sense of his strengths and weaknesses, obviously like somewhat carefully worded, but also honest enough for it to be effective. And likewise for him to do that to me, because our intention is as we scale this thing up, we want to be both focusing on our strengths, working on our weaknesses, but also figuring out how to allocate the resources that we do have. So if it becomes abundantly clear that John is very good at one thing that I may potentially not be as good at, then that's obviously a task that is better suited to John than to me. And if there's something that neither of us are good at, then it's something we need then to I seek. Then I do it. <laughs> <laughs> then it's something we need to seek outside help for or put on Ben's plate. Yeah. If I don't like this, I'll just give it that. No, it's okay. There's no resentment. <laughs> None. Yeah. Or Michael Gomez. Or Michael. Number one God, employee. Michael, yeah. What are we Pay your get? dues, gentlemen. Pay, Pay your dues. That's right. <laughs> exactly right. No, and I, I appreciate this. And I'll tell you, like, you know, I... I don't want to. I don't want to get too emotional here, but it's it, one of the things you do is when when guys like John and Ryan bring you into the fold, you don't want to let them down. And I think also one of the things I love about being an entrepreneur generally is you are uniquely reliant on the people around you, those people who you do work with. I think because you are uh, on one hand completely alone in the sense that you are your own security blanket, but on the other hand, you are also seeking out uh, either partnerships, whether, and by partnership, I, I don't just mean like, like a John and Ryan partnership. I also mean partnerships like professional relationships, um, and networking relationships that can help guide your individual effort forward. I mean, everything I think is worth looking in a holistic context. And, and it comes back again to these questions that, that Ryan emails us too, is, is also understanding who are the people in your life, both personally and professionally, by the way, personally being something we don't talk about as much, um, that will help drive you professionally from a, a worker standpoint, but also your business overall as you begin to scale up your business and think about more of your long-term goals. It is important to to address and focus on your short-term goals sometimes before you can dream big, because we all dream of that, well, that's, that end game. That's actually an interesting point, and yeah. I'm sure John can, can opine on this too, but um, I think... One thing that is very difficult to balance is these short-term goals or short-term needs with long-term goals. I know, like, to be brutally honest with you, this is a space, real estate in particular, that is particularly capital-intensive. And I don't know that I can speak for John on this front, but for, for me, I know that there are often times where I have most cash or a lot of cash tied up in one or two deals, and I may be cash-poor, property-rich at any point in time, which... You know, is not a necessarily bad position to be in, but it might be a little less dire or it might be a little less stressful if I had some more of these like short term wins or if I had another source of income that was a little more stable. And, you know, we're, we're building these things out, but it is it is a very tough dynamic to balance. Absolutely. I mean, I, I, I think Ryan and I both have been on every spectrum of finances, personally, financial uh, issues. And you know, I've been lucky that my my wife has a great job, has had a great job um, making a stable income. But but I, I think it, it underlines this idea of one thing that I see a lot 
something that I've struggled with and I see it a, a ton of times in other people is that people oftentimes will not even talk about their goals, like what they want to do. And sometimes it's, I think that there are a lot of reasons for that could be because they're embarrassed about it. Um, because I think sharing your goals is a very personal thing. It could be that they're, they're scared, uh, you know, kind of related to embarrassment, but they're scared of not succeeding in it because if they say, Hey, I'm going to, whatever, I want to make a million dollars this year, whatever. Um, if I don't do that, well, people are going to look at me and say, you didn't make a million dollars. So, you know, that's foolish. These are just voices in my head that I'm verbalizing. Let me just say that maybe, maybe other people don't think this way. Another reason sometimes people don't talk about goals is because they're afraid maybe that other people are some going to steal their thunder or mm -hmm. steal their, you know, whatever in the startup world, tech startup world, you steal your idea or whatever it might be. And all those things are so destructive because talking about your goals and sharing them with other people is, in my experience, the only way for it to happen. I mean, I had a goal personally to to do this private equity fund that was a personal goal that i had as far back as like two or three years ago and i never did anything and the only time i did anything about it is when i told ryan that i wanted to do it and now we're doing it together and it's actually happening and that that i mean i there's there's no easier thing that i can say than just share what you're doing what you want to do oftentimes the fear is so unfounded because nobody when you have an idea you think it's the greatest idea in the world and so naturally you think that everyone's going to want to take your idea and run with it but Oftentimes that is just unfounded. There's so much operational complexity or logistic complexity to achieving that goal that if somebody is really, if, if somebody hears that idea, even if they think it's the greatest idea in the world, the chances of them actually acting upon it anyway are virtually zero. Yeah, it's a cliche, it's a cliche but ideas are valueless. They're right. truly valueless. Right. And so they're only a prerequisite. Right. But. So oftentimes what you are doing is foreclosing on the opportunity to have a discussion that may ultimately be beneficial to you. And separately, I, it's also valuable, at least in my experience, to talk about these things, because I find that when I talk about something, I feel like I have a duty to hold up my end of the bargain. And I don't want to be known as somebody who just talks, talks, talks and doesn't act. So if I say something and I start talking to something, uh, if I start talking to people about something, then I am that much more empowered and motivated to point, yeah. go and attack. That's a great point. Yeah, I mean, and I think I've heard you both say this, John. I think I heard this. Uh, you also uh, say this specifically to some of the people that we've worked with, uh, which is don't be afraid of your own ambition, right? I understand that 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 as we've uh, alluded to, there is a a personal aspect of this where you can be embarrassed about this, but by sharing some of those goals and some both long term and short term, you can get partnerships like this uh, forming. Uh, and I think that you know one of the things I take away is no matter who among us ends up making a million dollars, John went to Yale. So it's going to be okay. <laughs> I mean, you can't buy that. I mean, you can't actually literally buy it. There's a tuition cost, but you, you know, you know, you know what I mean, right? Does anyone want to say anything else before I do our call? The first step for anyone is just to start doing something. And it's super overwhelming when you don't know where to start, but Oftentimes, just studying your situation, studying your goals, and figuring out some kind of very broad path can bring you to the first action point, which will then lead to the next the next point, the next domino, and everything will kind of like unfold from there. I it, think it, it's such a great point. It, it's such a great point. I, I I don't know how to just do it, which is a great slogan as well. but <laughs> it's uh, it so many times, I think, questions will present themselves to me. It's like, how, like, will this work? Or how do I do this? Or how do I know when this, and, and the answer is always just do it. 
and then you'll figure out if it's going to work or not. And you'll figure out what you need to do. You just need to do it. Don't, right. don't think about it. I mean, you can think about it to plan it, but at some point just execute right. and then you'll figure it out. But understand, like understand your downside or under, like be realistic about what your situation is. Don't use everything you have working against you as an excuse, but understand that if you have four kids and are living paycheck to paycheck and have very few financial means, understand what your downside looks like and figure out a path that takes you there with a little less risk or with a little less risk upfront. Maybe that means keeping your job and working on your goal in your off hours, yeah. but but be aware of it. Well, and I, I think it's it's funny because so much of what we've talked about it talks about how uh, some of the rewards of being an entrepreneur, but how the nitty gritty can be so, I don't want to use the word depressing, but it can be so tough that the the payoff sometimes doesn't always maybe feel like it is worth the, the work that you put in all the time. And I know that for me personally, again, I thought I wanted to be an entrepreneur when I moved into the broker uh, sphere, but when I knew that I really loved it is when I was actually enjoying making cold calls. I mean, there were, there were moments when I was making, I mean, literally hundreds of phone calls a week. And I was enjoying the idea that my life, my livelihood was based on the execution of the goal in front of me. And I don't know if that's, we can, that can be extrapolated into some kind of uh, trait that, that is, that you find in other people who enjoy being entrepreneurial, but it's, it's that kind of thing is, is enjoying the little things, maybe not accounting. That's the one thing I don't enjoy doing, uh, but, but I will tell you that outside of that, neither do we, that's why you're doing it for us now. Doing, yeah. um, that's but, shocking to hear, Ben. I know, I'm right? shocked. But just, but just like for us, analyzing deals, getting, looking up comps, I mean, things, little things like that, where you'd think, gosh, that. Doesn't that uh, bother you or irk you? I think that's actually, there's, there's some excitement in that and, 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 and there's some enjoyment in the whole process itself. Well, it's interesting because the, the example you used of cold calling is, it's, it's such a clear case of knowing your strengths and knowing your interests and knowing your skills because that is something that I absolutely despise. And I know there are a lot of real estate investors who make a lot of money on the basis of their cold calling skills, but it's just not something that I, I think I could do. I, I think there's a point at which I could do it effectively, but I know it's something that I would always dread. So that's just another example of knowing yourself. The other thing I would say is a lot of these tasks that seem like they'd be dreadful or that seem like they would feel like a waste of time for you to do, they're quite a bit more rewarding when you're doing them for yourself. And when you're doing it for some ultimate goal. Yeah. I mean, the way that I think about it is almost like a utilitarian approach, which is that doing what I'm doing is very confident, the, the greatest use of my abilities. And I can, if it's not, I can easily make it that. I never have the experience doing this where I show up to work and I'm like, you know what? I'm really a great X and I just don't have a chance to express that in my job. I never basically have that feeling doing what I'm doing. And that's a great feeling because if I think of myself as like a useful implement, you know, like a something to be deployed in the world, what better way to deploy myself than to fully be using all of my skills and time and Yale education <laughs> and uh, efforts than what I'm doing. And I, I, I truly believe that. So that makes me very deep down on an existential level, very happy. It also comes back to having an end goal and a plan. Because if you didn't think that the end that you were working toward 
was worthwhile, or if Ben didn't think that he wanted to be a broker, chugging through all those cold calls or plunging those toilets or making your fourth Home Depot run of the day would be that much more frustrating. But when you know what the end is in mind and you can just chalk this up to another step on that journey, then it's a little bit more palatable. Right. I think it would be, I think some of the things that we have done, at least that I can recall doing, would be literally unbearable if like, you couldn't pay me enough money to do it, if not for the fact that I felt that I was building something that I cared about that was important to me. So if you find yourself, if you want to be an entrepreneur and you find yourself having to do things like that and you don't like it, then or, you know, you don't have to like it in the moment, but if you don't like it in the context of what you're doing, I think that's a sign that maybe what you're doing is not the right path for you. It's a great point to finish on. Gentlemen, thank you so much for your time and your expertise as always. For the folks listening at home, make sure you subscribe to us wherever you get your podcast to reach out to us on the Brick by Brick. That's Brick X Brick Facebook. And make sure to listen to us on iTunes and Spotify. Thanks for listening.